Hello, welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter nine of The Amber Spyglass, Upriver. think that upriver might be the name of a crash bandicoot level and i am having now a flashback to i think i've said that before about a different chapter title you definitely have yeah. and then didn't you realize that it was the one that was called the was it the high road yeah i think so i'm gonna just quickly google okay <laughs> what you didn't realize that you were signing up for when you were listening to her dot materials podcast <laughs> was some vague crash bandicoot crash bandicoot <laughs> oh, <it's> so <laughs> cultural references uh oh uh, it's called Up the Creek. Mm. Damn. Almost. Almost. Oh, there's one called Upstream as well. Come on, there's got to be one called Upriver. Oh, Crash Bandicoot. Such a tease. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm, I mean, I think I'm a little bit better than last week. We have finally exited January. It's finally February. The shit month is done. <laughs> yeah. God, I fucking hate January so much. And last chapter was a struggle. Not going to lie. It was. Yeah. I feel like this, I'm very excited for this chapter. Reading it, I was like, yes, this is some good classic vibes. This is what we signed up for and not a creepy priest in sight. So actually that's a lie because there is some magisterium. So yeah, that's true. That's that's automatically true. multiple creepy priests. <laughs> not, but. I mean, the levels of creepy are a little bit different, I suppose. Yes. I'm glad January's over. February's a bit shit as well though, isn't it? Not to put a down on it. I just want it to be March because then, oh, then we'll be on going on holiday. Oh my God. Yeah, we've got a co-host road trip planned. <laughs> Which is going to be really fun. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to do some fun things uh, on the west coast of America, which is going to be so fun. I'm going to drive down the Pacific Coast Highway and try not to drive us off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be driven down the Pacific Coast Highway because I'm a 28-year-old that never learned to drive. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> All the tw plus 25s that have never learned to drive, put your hands up right now and do a little dance. <laughs> we'll have to let everybody know the last episode, when we're recording the last episode before we go away, because we might have to just say bye to everyone, because we might not come back, because I might drive us accidentally off a cliff. So Full Thelma and Louise style, mm -hmm. but accidentally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly. Rich, you had an exciting encounter recently, did you not? I did. I, well... We discovered when we were interviewing Simone Kirby, who plays the lovely Mary Malone in the TV series, that she kind of lives in the same area of London as we do. And surprisingly, just last weekend, I went for like a spontaneous calf breakfast, but it was at like lunchtime with my friend Ella, who does not listen to the podcast, but Ellie does. So I'll say hi to Ellie. <laughs> hi, um, Ellie. Was, we saw Ellie later too? that day okay. and I told her that we saw Simone and she was like, damn it, I wish I was there. So yeah, went into this little cafe to get a little late in the day breakfast and Simone was there. She had like stopped in for a little lunch with her family and 
she, I was like in the middle of double taking. I was like, oh, I definitely recognise that person. Oh my God, it's Simone. And she had also recognised me. And I was like, oh my God, she recognised me <laughs> because she's so lovely. And we had like a really cute little chat. And I asked her how it was like how it was filming season three and we had a lovely little chat and she said hello and she's just the friendliest loveliest person and uh, so if you're listening Simone she did ask how the podcast was going and mentioned how much she loves it but if you've got this far Simone it was really nice to see you in the cafe the other day ah! oh Simone I'm so <laughs> sad I wasn't there I will be taking you to that cafe on the off chance just it was a very good cafe as well I went and I am um, I was a bit concerned because I've I've gone veggie for the first part of the year. Me and my partner are doing like a, we're just trying to eat veggie a bit more often. And this is the first like full English breakfast I've gone for that's been veggie. And I was a bit like, will it will it be the same without my bacon? I don't know. But it was really good because I had like four hash browns, loads of mushrooms, loads of tomatoes and like loads of slices of toast and eggs. And it was great. It was like a proper good like greasy calf lunch as well. It was so good. Like cup of tea where they hand it to you and the milk's already in it and it's still got a spoon in it and you're like, why have I got the spoon? The bag's not in there. Just I don't need I don't know what to do with the spoon. I love that. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> While Rich was in a cafe with Simone Kirby, I was getting drunk in Leeds and I bloody love Leeds so much. I wish I was there to meet uh, Simone again, but also back in my uni town, I feel like it makes you regress. <laughs> I was just like, this is where I like w- was drunk all the time. Although I will say that there was, it was so busy and there were so many students and they were all being really loud. And then I was like, yeah, I'm 30. I was like, this is 30. Being annoyed at really rowdy students is uh, is where I am in life now, apparently. I mean, I feel like we had polar opposite weekends because I went and met my friend Ella in a cafe for a little lunch and then bumped into Smoke Kirby. And then we went over to my, we walked up a hill, we walked up One Tree Hill and back down. And then we went over to my friend Ellie's house and we painted some shelves, which felt very grown up. Just had a little shelf painting party. And I did end up staying at Ellie's till like midnight and was hungover the next day. Yeah. But I mean, at least we lovely. were both hungover the next day. We had that in common. True. I mean, like, I don't know why I've done this, but I'm going on two holidays this year when I've got no fucking money. But I'm very excited because I get to go on holiday with Rich. And then I get to go to, if anybody's listening and is an elder emo or just even an emo and you happen to got tickets for when we were young first in Vegas, I will fucking be there. And I'm so excited because Paramore are coming back. Oh my God, I can't talk about Paramore on this podcast. I've got a podcast about Paramore, but Paramore are coming back this year. 2022 is the year of Paramore. I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yes, 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 yes. And if you haven't already uh, listened to any of Faith's Paramount podcasts, you definitely should. I really enjoy it. It is a great shout because also it just makes me want to like re-listen to all the albums again, like just like start to finish because Paramore on so many of my playlists, but it's not super often that I go like, I'm just going to listen to this album. I'm excited for you. I'm jealous that you're going, but I'm also not jealous because I don't have the money to spend i had the fun choice of you can either go to vegas with your friends to see this amazing gig with all of these people that you love or you can stay at home and do some work and then do a convention the following weekend where you will actually make the money that you need to survive for the rest of the year and i was like okay i'll do that one (laughs) that was a more intelligent choice i feel because i was just like i'm not missing this i feel like if paramore weren't on it I would have been like, oh, I can't afford that. But I have to, everywhere that Paramore goes, I have to be there. It's just, it's just a rule. But thank you for the compliment on the Paramore pod. I feel like we had a conversation and, and I asked you to choose a song that you wanted to come on for. Did you choose one? Was it Crush, Crush, Crush? I think it was Crush, Crush, Crush. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's Is that coming up soon? Yeah, it's coming up. Oh my God. <gasps> can't wait to guest on the on a Still in Teapot. So exciting. <laughs> so you'll be the first guest. <gasps> oh my God. 
Well, you have that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Hey, Faye. Hey. Uh, <laughs> what would your demon have been this week? Do you know, I've like been struggling with demons recently. I feel like I've been like really uninspired, but I just thought that I haven't cuddled a dog in so long and I just really want to that I just feel like it, I want my demon to be my favourite type of dog and I've definitely had this before but who cares it's our podcast we can do what we want uh, Shiba <laughs> Inu oh, yeah, my favourite dog yeah, yeah and I just want to cuddle with a little Shiba so I'm going to go for that just for the pure reason that I haven't had any interaction with dogs in a long time and I love dogs fair I feel like that's a really good shout what about you? Again, I, I've been feeling a bit disconnected. I think it's the January blues. I've been feeling disconnected from my demon. And I feel like that's a really good way of describing how you feel in January in terms of just being a bit like, bleh, kind of like experiencing post end of the year burnout because I basically go full tilt all the way from like September through till December because of like Halloween is my my Christmas and then there's actual Christmas where I have to see my family and stuff and then it's all like that's when my shop's the busiest I just I get so burned out so I think my demon has probably been some something that has been kind of taking a bit of space from me because it's also got burnout I feel like I've said this before but maybe like a little dormouse or something that hibernates a lot that's trying to do all the resting for me because I'm trying to like get geared up for launching myself into the year like hashtag new year not new me like new year blue year but (laughs) trying to be like yeah let's treat this year like it's going to be great and after two years of absolute shit where it's not been the best year you've ever had because of the absolute pandemonium feeling a bit disconnected from my demon but that's why I think she's something he's something small that's kind of been hiding from me and just resting and recuperating and being like bitch take a break that makes sense dormouse yeah (laughs) makes sense for my like dog demon as well that I just want something to cuddle with to keep me warm oh Oh my god do you want to know it's really exciting my parents are getting a dog yes they are I'm so excited for this my auntie's uh sheepdog she's yeah she's a collie she is preggers and she's gonna have puppies and then my parents are getting a puppy we've had this conversation off pod and forgive me because i forgot what you said but when i go home go back up north in february and i visit your parents town will they have the dog by then we're like two weeks away from like puppy due dates (laughs) um so my parents won't have the puppy by then because then it's like uh is it eight to ten weeks until it's like but they will be visiting and regularly dog sitting because they do that for my auntie anyway so they will definitely be like popping in and chilling with the puppies and seeing which one they have like the best bond with Oh, oh it hurts it's gonna be so cute they will have hopefully will it be by the time we get back from america I'm going to be trying to visit them towards the end of March and there will be puppies by then, that is for sure. (laughs) And we've been placing bets on how many puppies there might be because in some pictures I've been sent, the dog looks like heckin' Brego. And in some pictures she looks like, like she's quite a a small dog. So it's like, how many pups have you got in there? The average is six, but we're kind of placing bets on like four. Do they know what they're going to name the dog? Mum's been making a list of names. She's made lists and they're going to see what suits them. Very cute. Shall we record a goddamn podcast? (laughs) Yes, we should. We should. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's get into it. Last chapter, we were with Will as he carried on his journey to find Lyra and encountered a horrifically creepy priest that forced him to drink vodka. 
Will journeyed further south to a port town that was in the midst of a battle with a boat full of armoured bears led by Yorick. Will settled the dispute using the knife and boarded the bear boat to carry on south. In this chapter, Will continues his journey on the bear boat and Yorick studies the knife. After reaching the foothills of the mountains of Central Asia via boat, Will and Yorick continue on foot to rescue Lyra. Azrael's force and the Magisterium are also on their way to Lyra, who will get there first. Bam, bam, bam. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Would you like to guess what the picture is before you tell me about? You the... actually remembered about this segment. I'm really proud I of know. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My guess of what it is of is uh, Yorick. Is it just Yorick? Yorick. Yorick. Fuck you. I didn't think that sounded bad. <laughs> It just sounded so, like you were so done. You're like, my guess, right? What? Is it fucking Yorick? Great. <laughs> no, I love Yorick. My guess is that it could be of Yorick. It's like, not. Oh, is it a boat? It's a boat, yeah. Oh, okay. That makes, that, I mean, that's easier to draw than a bear, isn't it? Step your game up, Phil. It's a good boat. I appreciate it. Tell us about the Emily Dickinson quote, Rich. Yes. Well, Phil has chosen a quote from... Our fave, uh, Emily Dickinson. Faye mentioned her last week or the week before about that you. She was one of your faves, and she's back. We love her. The quote is: "A shade upon the mind there passes." At, oh fuck, me. Emily. <laughs> I love you, babe. You're like the gothic, depressed, like waif of my dreams. But fuck me, you do not write a sentence in a way that is easy to read. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, Emily. <laughs> I was doing a bit more reading up on Emily Dickinson as she keeps coming up because every time I just think she's great. But like reading any of her poems or trying to read them out loud is extra hard because it's like just she takes pride in writing words in annoying orders. Anyway, I'm going to try. I'm going to try again. Do it again. Try you got again. it. You got this. <laughs> hmm. A shade upon the mind there passes as when on noon a cloud the mighty sun encloses. So... This is from poem 882 of her collection of poems. She was goddamn prolific. There was a lot of poems. And so the full poem I'm going to read, because it's only, this she says after having said how hard they are to read, it's only two paragraphs and they're very short. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, because the whole thing has like a really lovely impact as well. A shade upon the mind there passes, as when on noon a cloud the mighty sun encloses, remembering that some there be too numb to notice. Oh God, why give if thou must take away the loved? It is big, sad girl energy. I love it. Phoebe Bridges could have wrote that. (laughs) Right? Big Phoebe Bridges energy. So from an analysis of Emily Dickens' poems, there's a great like big PDF document that literally just goes through them by number and kind of gives you a super brief synopsis of like, this is what we think is about based on where she was at in her life when she wrote it. So a shade upon the mind there passes, like the two previous poems, this one desires the presence of an absent loved one. A shade passes across Emily's mind when she remembers that there is a loved one who is too numb to notice her. So a lot of it is like someone you love being away from you and you're not being able to see them. For me, the poem resonates a lot in terms of like, if you've got a loved one that's passed, like the moments that you do remember them, like it is, sometimes it is like a shade enclosing you and enclosing your mind. And I feel like for this chapter, I wonder if Phil is really... He's picked this out perhaps because we're on chapter nine and Lyra's still not here. 
we are with Will, we're with Yorick. Yorick is mentioning all these people that we've loved, that we miss. For example, Lee Scoresby, R.I.P. Lee. Oh, but then also, we're missing Lyra right now, like a lot. And I think Will is too. And so it's that thing of like these two people and the person they have in common is Lyra and she's not here. Yeah. I will say, and I, I think me and you have felt this, but we haven't particularly like properly articulated it. But when I was in Leeds with our pals on Saturday and they were asking how the podcast was going, I said, oh, like it's going really well. And like me and Rich love it, obviously, but something feels difficult about this book so far. And I was like, I'm not sure what it is. And then they were like, oh, like what's going on in the book? And I was like, oh, well, like we've, we're at chapter nine and we're, we haven't been with Lyra yet at all, like only in her dreams. And I was like, I really want Lyra back. Like every week when I come to do it, I'm like, is Lyra going to be back? And I'm like, no. Yeah. And this fucking chapter as well, like Phil is doing that thing that books do when you get like enough uh, multiple characters that you're invested in enough that you're skipping between their different stories as they go parallel. And he does that fucking thing where it's like at the end of this chapter, he's like, and Lyra is three days away. And we're like, yes. And then it's like, oh, next chapter is called Wheels. And we're probably with Mary. And it's like, I love Mary. I do want to know what she's doing, but don't he's finding Lyra so close so close and then skip to someone else's story like I guess that's the whole point is that it's going to make you keep reading because you want to get to the chapter where you find her and like that's a great narrative tool that authors use but it very much has that feeling that you would have when you were reading or watching Game of Thrones and you're like stop telling me about goddamn Jon Snow I want to know what's happening to Daenerys and then by the time you finish Jon's chapter you're like I want to know what happens with Jon don't tell me about Daenerys yeah absolutely I'm just ready to see our girl Lyra you know yeah. She's very much the heart of the books. And I do love Will a lot. But again, you see a lot of it in Will, this chapter, is that he's feeling Lyra's absence and he's feeling where he is lacking that Lyra is not. And like, obviously, we don't think he's lacking. But like he talks about it, it comes up in terms of how easy he feels talking to other people. And I think that's a lot of what I miss is just Lyra chatting bullshit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and just like Lyra and Will, because Lyra brings Will out of himself and that's what makes their friendship so special. So it's like, we are seeing Will in these chapters, but we're actually not seeing that much of him. We're just kind of hearing about him on his journey. We're not delving that much into his like thoughts and feelings or like anything like that. We can read into it a little bit, but it's not like directly on the page. Whereas if Lyra was here, she'd be like, what's going on, Will? Like, tell me, you know what I mean? Let's have a conversation about it. And like, we're not getting that. Yeah, I just, we're missing Lyra. Me too. Me too. She's not going to be in this chapter. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no spoilers here. <laughs> Should we get into it? We kick off with Yorick and Will. And he's like, let me see the knife. I want to have a look at it. And proper gets into it. And for me, this bit, the main thing that it made me think of is we get this great description. And they're like traveling in the river upstream, whatever. But the main thing is Yorick is looking at this knife. And there's loads of descriptions of Will being impressed at how nimble Yorick is with his hands. And we get another description of Yorick's hands. And it just gave me loads of nostalgia for the first book, where Yorick is described as having human hands. And we had that massive discussion about does he have people hands? And this is a much clearer description of how he does not have people hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had that conversation with uh, Neil, who is uh, pals with Goblet of Wine when we were at their house doing the uh, podcast record, didn't we? We were like, does Yorick have human hands? And now here we are, Confirm official confirmation. <laughs> official confirmation, he does not have human hands. His thumb claw opposed the four finger claws, letting him manipulate objects as skillfully as a human. So it's just that he got he got paws, but he got extra long claws, and they're just I'm doing like little lobster hands <laughs> at Faye through the camera, and 
remembering I'm on a podcast. Yeah. Um, well, well yeah. you know, like hands, hands, basically. Yeah, he's got opposable thumbs and that's what makes him nimble, which is great. But also not people thumbs, bare thumbs. Yeah, bare thumbs. <laughs> there is a bit here where it says, Will held the knife out towards Jorick, handle first. So it's Will just handling the blade of the knife like it's not going to cut some more of his fucking fingers off. I'm hoping he's got it in the sheath. Yeah, but also it is... Sh- I mean, you can hand something to somebody, like you hand someone a pair of scissors, like handle first and you're not worried about cutting yourself. Yeah, but the knife is like the sharpest fucking thing in the world and just cut through Yorick's fucking helmet a chapter ago. Are you telling me you're going to touch that fucking blade? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and Will also has past trauma with it, but... Exactly. um, (laughs) I feel like he has very much learned his lesson and would not hold it in a way that could cut him. For a boy that has two less fingers than he should have, yes, I would hope so. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think he's, surely he's gripping the flat part of the blade firmly to hand it over and then being like, is it worth the risk? Probably not, no. One would assume it is, he's holding the sheath. But even then, the whole point of the knife not cutting through the sheath is that it's like strapped in in such a way that there's like an air pocket around it, right? So that wouldn't work if he's unstrapped it, so... Who knows? Who knows? Yorick understands one side of the knife, but not the other. And then, like, Will tells him the story of how he got the knife, but he leaves out, like, all the information about his mum and his dad and the man that he killed. And I, I, I mean, I think I've said this throughout, but object to that language because he didn't kill that man. That man fell over a cat. The cat killed that yeah. man, actually. Yeah. Moxie is the murderer, not Will. Exactly. <laughs> Yorick like, inspects Will's wound, which is healing quite well now. I think this is the first time this book we've properly heard about it, right? Yeah, which is a good sign, right? The fact that it's not been... He's not been feeling the ache or the, the threat of sepsis. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great metal band name. <laughs> threat of sepsis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> brilliant what would the songs be <laughs> oh god i bet we could come up with some fucking great names for those songs <laughs> yes uh, i would see that me- medical waste <laughs> that, that, that could be one of the songs <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so yorick can recognize from looking at the wound and from kind of probably giving it um oh, from giving it a little sniff he's like that's blood moss i can tell that's blood moss which is great we love blood moss i've already talked very much about moss mm. yes the moss expert of the pod. We love it. And I love that Yorick recognises it. Will kind of mentions that the witches tried, but their spell didn't work. Just throwing a bit of shade on the witches. <laughs> Yorick's kind of impressed that somebody who is human has recognised the merits of blood moss because it sounds like it's very much a bear thing. Well done, Joppery. We'll give you that one. Yeah, we'll give you that one. <laughs> Yorick's like, what does the guy want you to do with a knife? And he's like, uh, to use it on the, on the side of the war of Lord Azrael, but first I must rescue Lyra Silvertongue. Then we shall help, said the bear. And Will's heart leapt with pleasure. Ah, oh. That's just yes. my nerve. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then we get like this big paragraph about how the bears are moving to Central Asia because of the Azrael's explosion. Mm-hmm. Just a bit more bears are fleeing from global warming vibes yeah and it says they'll go back when the world settles again and i'm like if it's anything like our world that's not happening that's not fucking happening Mm -hmm. i'm afraid you're probably going to be in central asia for the rest of your little bear lives i really love the image though of the bears having to move from the oceans to the mountains in terms of especially later on in a chapter where a bear's like but dad what will we eat and Yorick's like you'll find something (laughs) and I'm 
especially because my demon last week was like a little mountain goat. I'm just picturing like massive polar bears trying to scramble up like cliff sides, trying to get these mountain goats and like what they'll what they'll try and eat. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's something really like endearing about the, the vision of like armored bears. <laughs> the way that you just described that gave me a baby Simba meeting Timon and Pumba vibes. Do you know he has to eat like bugs and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> and then he yeah. grows up eating bugs and stuff because he's not in his natural environment. Oh my God. If the bears discover like any like, I guess it might be too icy to be foresty. It depends how high they go in the mountains. But I'm just saying, if the bears can discover maple syrup, that would be great. <laughs> because also they could like, they're, they're uh, armoured bears. They're like metal workers. They can make little syrup taps to like get into the trees. They could sell it. They make some... I was going to say they make some bear money. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they'll I think they'll do well in the mountains. I also I'm like okay, massive bears, especially because Yorick then later on sends them off to like scatter and go and live their like solo lives in the mountains. If people haven't got the memo that there's these bears in the mountains and the bears act pretty humany as well as pretty berry, I'm like, is this where the Bigfoot rumours of Lyra's world are about to come from? Amazing, Are yes. they going to be like, oh my God, there's a Yeti in the mountains? It's not a Yeti. It's an armoured bear just like trying to live his little bear life, building himself like a little bear house and getting some metal working going on. <laughs> but everyone's like, there's a Yeti. <laughs> I have a question. So it says, our old enemies vanish with the seals and the walruses. If we meet new ones, we know how to fight. Who are their old enemies? The seals and the walruses? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the cliff ghasts, but have they moved? I don't know. Mm, I'm trying to think of like the humans that were there. Were like Skralins or anybody like that? I don't know. I can't remember. I imagine if the bears are being forced to move, a lot of the human populations of the icy regions have also been forced out of their homes. But yeah, I don't really know. don't really know who the bears were fighting. It kind of all depends on what uh, Yoffa was up to, which sounds like some dodgy shit anyway. So who knows? <laughs> true, true, true. And then we get this paragraph where we mention Lee. Oh, boo. So Will says, which side would you fight for in that case? The side that gave advantage to the bears. What else? But I have some regard for a few who are not bears. One was a man who flew a balloon. Oh, he is dead. <laughs> Hit that. <sighs> Another is the witch, Serafina Pecola. The third is a child, Lyra Silvertong. So first I would do whatever serves the bears, and then whatever serves the child, or the witch, or avenges my dead comrade, Lee Scarsby. That is why I will help you rescue Lyra Silvertong from the abominable woman, Coulter. Love that description of Coulter. Abominable woman. Abominable snowman. Abom yeah, Sorry, carry on. Exactly. Also, <laughs> this whole paragraph, I feel like we could all learn a lesson from this, especially, I think as, I think I can speak for you, as two people who can sometimes be like very people-pleasy. We like to put others before ourselves. Let's learn from this, shall we? Yorick's putting himself and the bears first. We should be putting ourselves first and then we go and help our other friends. I think that's a good lesson. Yeah. I mean, you could see Yorick's outlook with the bears as being very selfish. Like, I'm just going to do what's good for me. It's not thinking about the wider world necessarily. But also it's like, at least he's thinking of the bears as an entire community. He's not, I feel like Yoffa Ratnison was like, I'm going to do what's good for number one first. Whereas Yorick's thinking of the bears as a whole first. I guess that's his like ruler vibes, right? Because like you don't, want to be super selfish but also you do have to look after yourself first in order to look after the people's so it's, it's an interesting like it's definitely a lesson that i could do with learning that's for sure Same. i'm trying i'm trying but yeah i just love the vibe that is like you know what i only like three people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the people that I like, I can list on one hand. And like, I feel like it says a lot about his, like, the, the level of intensity of his friendships and his loyalties that he can list them on only on one hand, but also of how, like, that means that you have to pass a pretty high bar to reach his like best friend zone i highly relate to that i feel like it's also very me i only have like a few very close friends there's only a very few people that i would that i let in and all of you lovely listeners (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i mean when you when your vibe of your podcast is i literally hate everybody (laughs) but like i like most people but i know in terms of like letting people yeah into your like level your circle of trust is like that has to be quite a high bar because that otherwise that's how you get hurt. Exactly. So we learned that the bears hired a crew. So that answers our question from last episode. Yeah. About the guy that died, and also just very lucky that they happened to be heading in the same direction of where Lyra's being kept. <laughs> yes, it's just very fortunate that she lives in. The, she's being kept in the same snowy mountains that the bears are headed towards. So then time goes past, and Will spends most of his time like sleeping and regaining his strength. He tries to talk to the captain and the crew, but finds it difficult. Again, that's what you mentioned earlier about him not having those same skills as Lyra in a sense of that, like, he can't just talk to anyone like she can. And again, like, I highly relate relate to that because I find it difficult. Mm, I've, I've gotten better over the years, I think, but, like, I find it difficult to talk to random people and it's an effort for me it doesn't mean that i always dislike doing it but it it definitely costs me like an emotional effort to do that so i have to make sure that i'm like in the right frame of mind for it um whereas obviously lyra you know i I suppose it's classic like extrovert and introvert isn't it like lyra clearly gets her energy from other people i think me and you get our energy from being by ourselves yeah, I'm kind of like a weird combo. I definitely, I've been told like, oh, you you, you don't seem to struggle to talk to other people at all. And I'm like, yes, that's because awkward silences make me die inside. <laughs> and therefore, um, I fill awkward silences and I chat shit at people, <laughs> um, which is a completely different mechanism. Like that's something that is has come from like growing up working jobs in the service industry and having to be able to do that like quite friendly chit chat and stuff. And then also being a very nervous person that does tend to like want to fill those silences. And I do love asking other people questions about stuff and I, I find nothing more excruciatingly awkward than trying to talk to somebody who isn't very forthcoming. If you ask someone a question and their response is just like, yeah, it's all right. You're like, I don't, I don't to do with that. What do I do I now? What do I, I do? I can't carry. I don't. I don't understand. Um, and Will sounds like that kind of person <laughs> potentially, but I also I'm not like Lyra in terms of being able to like just step up and immediately be like, I'm going to take control of this room and be the life of the party. Like, I'm going to tell you all my stories and be the center of attention. Like, that's definitely not how I feel. But I definitely have a. I know that my battery is completely depleted after I've spent any amount of time doing that. Like I'm very good at, I'd like to think I'm quite good at interacting with people. But if I do it for, for example, during Comic-Con, there's a lot of people. And then like a lot of the social stuff that happens around that as well. After that, I have to spend like two weeks basically entirely on my own to like recharge my batteries. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Mm -hmm. We learned that the crew don't really like the bears. It's just a job. Which I'm sad to learn. I was all like, R.I.P. that guy. Like, oh, sad times. These people were fighting for the bears. And now we find out actually they just, I mean, sure, they were in it for the money. But I'm just sad to hear that 
They're not just like, yay, bears. <laughs> it's even sadder for that guy to die that way, to say that he was only there for the money and he didn't really give a shit about the bears and then he ended up dying for them, really. Yeah, that's true. Even the people in Lyra's world are subjected to shitty capitalism and having to do stuff they don't want for money just to live. <laughs> oh my God. Oh Woo. my Lord. <laughs> Will pays for his food and then I asked, where did he get his money from? That's what I was wondering. Did somebody give him gold at some point and we forgot? I don't know, maybe. Because like, why would he have that currency yeah who did he meet at the beginning did he rob the priest sneakily i fucking hope so <laughs> i'm trying to think where will's even been where he would pick up gold did joppery have some on him like maybe his pockets were full when will took the coat and he's just like oh thanks dad maybe we're probably going to get emails that we've forgotten something because classicos oh, but absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're sorry we're sorry the crew noticed that his demon like wasn't always around him and that made them like suspicious. I keep I kind of keep forgetting that they're in Lyra's world. I keep forgetting what world we're in because we haven't got the little symbols in this book. I miss the little symbol key a lot. <laughs> I do. I do. Cause I, I was like, oh, we're not we're in Lyra's world. People are supposed to have demons. But Balthamos is struggling. And I this makes me really sad is that like all the while that Will's bonding with Yorick and like living the boat life, like Balthamos is kind of going through his little grief process in his own way and like is just genuinely struggling. And it makes me really sad the last sentence where it's like, perhaps you thought Will had little sympathy, though if he'd sought it, he would have found plenty. He became more and more curt and formal, though never sarcastic. He kept that promise at least. A, it's really sad that like if he just spoke to Will, Will probably would have so much to say to him and like be a good shoulder to lean on. But then also the thing of like, he's kind of... retreating inside himself and becoming more curt but not being like I would so much rather have him be like sassy and sarcastic at me than just like curt and formal and sad because like at least the sarcasm has like a spark to it it's like he's losing what makes him him he's like losing himself in into the agree into the grief a little bit and it is sad as well that like we get this paragraph about how Balthamos is struggling this chapter and then that's it like we don't get any sympathy from Will we don't get anyone trying to help him and I just don't want it to carry on that way because I can't remember of course I can't remember but like I just don't want it to carry on that way like Lyra would notice if she was there he shouldn't have to struggle alone like that's the thing it's like just because he was the one that had the closest bond with that person doesn't mean that the other people that whether they met that person or not, can't like be there to share in your grief with you if you need someone to talk to. Like it's really sad. And just yeah, I just think at least if he was being sarcastic, like sarcasm has an implied level of like a sense of humour behind it. So it's just really sad that it's like, oh, at least he wasn't being sarcastic. He's like, no, no, we want the sarcasm actually, because that implies that he's like got a bit of a spark and a bit of a sense of humour behind what he's saying, whereas instead of just being really sad. Damn it, Phil. Yorick's obsessed with the knife. Uh, oh my God, love. that is my exact note. I was literally just going to say those exact words out of my mouth. Yes. <laughs> He's like touching it with his tongue, which is very dangerous business. Did we not just have this conversation? <laughs> Did your mum never teach you not to lick Nutella off the knife? <laughs> which now as a grown ass woman, I do with relish. Oh, not yeah. with <laughs> the food relish. The like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a grown adult. But I never put Nutella on things with a sharp knife. So, you know. It made me think of our gal, Faith Lehane, when she like sniffs her knife, when she's like, it's a thing oh of beauty God. boss. <laughs> yes, we love a Buffy reference. We do, but stop licking knives that can cut your tongue off. Yeah, I mean, he's literally seen it cut through sky iron, which he's himself said is like amazingly strong. And I'll just lick it. 
but also I'm imagining like the carefulness <laughs> you have to do it with the like <laughs> <laughs> and I desperately want to see that on the TV series like the animating Yorick holding the knife and be like <laughs> just trying to stick his little tongue out yeah I'm just interested <laughs> interested to see like how they animate just like his pause with the opposable thumb like full stop if they do that because it's going to look very strange him holding the knife they'll probably skillfully avoid it (laughs) i would say (laughs) if if you gave me the chance to skillfully avoid having to animate bare hands i probably would yeah fair Uh, yorick goes to will and he says the other side of this knife does something and i don't know what it is what is it and will's like i can't show you here because the bird is moving and i'm like just tell him it really annoys me just tell him i love that and he's like oh I don't want to tell you. I'll show no. The like the energy that is just like this is so impressive. I can't tell you what it does. I'm going to show you what it does because it's going to be so much cooler to see it than it is to like tell you about it. <laughs> so it's such a show off. Vibe. Yeah, I, I think I'm a very impatient person as well. So I'm like, just fucking tell me. I'm okay with it because by the end of the chapter, Will has shown him and was allowed the time to do it. The cases where I hate this happening is when somebody's like, oh, I can't tell you, I have to show you. And then they never get the chance to show the person because the narr- the you know, the story finds a way of taking that person away before they can share the secret or whatever. And it's like, that's frustrating because you could just tell someone. Or like, if it's like time sensitive, just tell someone. This isn't time sensitive. This is just like, I just want to show you in person because it's cool. <laughs> yeah fair so Yorick gives the knife back to Will the bird is then like kind of struggling in like all the flood waters I did love that some of the bears are getting too hot so they swim next to the bird oh my god that image I literally wrote down the image of the bears swimming alongside the boat makes me happy because scale wise it's like the equivalent of somebody letting their dog swim alongside of like a paddle boat. And you know when the dogs wear the life jackets with the little handle on top so you can grab them out of the water? It's like that because like the bear is so big and their boat is so big. So if you just took that and scaled it down, it would be the dog swimming alongside the yes. canoe. Very cute. They start to see like the mountains of Central Asia. There's a description here that I really like. Will saw a rim of white on the horizon one day and watched as it grew and grew, separating itself into different peaks and ridges and passes between them, and so high that it seemed that it must be close at hand, only a few miles. But they were far off still, it was just that the mountains were immense, and with every hour that came closer they seemed yet more inconceivably high. I really like that description. It's a very good description of like when you see something that you think is really close but it's actually still really fucking far away and it reminded me of so in disney world and universal studios (laughs) rich is laughing at me they have this thing and it's probably used on loads of other different things but there's always how i remember it uh called they use this thing called forced perspective so like if you're looking at say like the disney world castle or like another example is the hogwarts castle in universal studios it looks fucking massive even when you're like right up close to it and that's because they'll use like big bricks on the bottom and then as it goes up and up and up it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller so that it looks massive even though it's not big at all and every time I go it massively fucks up my eyes but I think it's so clever because like you just there's no way that you can tell how big this thing is and I feel like it's a similar vibe with these mountains but like the opposite or it's just like actually big (laughs) yeah yeah but I love that. Love, love a bit of force perspective. It's quite a, it's a thing that is used in things like that for 3D stuff. And then you can also refer to anything in art where you've got like a picture that looks like it's kind of coming out of the page at you. It's like, that's force perspective. Where it's like someone's fist is like massive on the page and their head is tiny. And it's like, you have to cheat the perspective when you're drawing the picture. It's very cool. 
I was also, when you started talking, I was expecting you to tell me of this like profound experience you'd had climbing a mountain. You was like, when I was at Disney World. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. I haven't had any profound experiences, Rich. <laughs> we climbed a pretty pretty big mountain in Canada called Harling Peak. And that was one of those where it felt like looking at it, you're like, oh, that seems really, really big. And then you would be driving and drive. We were like driving to get to like the car park in the, at like the base of it to reach the trail and it was like we're still driving are we i thought we were quite close (laughs) oh this is this is a really big hill (laughs) especially because i'm used to like peak district mountains which they're they're hills really they're not mountain mountains they're not canada mountains (laughs) that was not a profound experience though that was just me getting tired and sweaty so the bears have never seen mountains before which is uh cute they're very excited so then this is where the bears ask yorick like how they're going to live yeah and I just go off, go and live your bare lives in the hills. Off your pop. I was going to say, I don't know if it's worth noting that like the reason that they've had to disembark the boat is because like they were taking advantage of the flooding. So they've come so much further on this big boat than they should have been able to because they're basically driving, driving, boating, sailing, sailing. Sure. I don't know. Through like flooded valleys. And so there's bits where you're seeing like the floodwaters, they're coming up to like the roofs of buildings and they're taking the boat past buildings. So they're kind of like, it's so much to their advantage. They've managed to get so much further inland than they would have in a boat that size otherwise. Um, And just the image of like the flooded valley, because like the reason they've stopped is because it's gotten too shallow. It's not enough flooding to keep on sailing through, but like the valley's still flooded. And I think that image is really cool of like, Will and Yorick getting off the boat of this jetty and looking down this valley that should be a valley and it's not. It's kind of a lake, which is really cool. Like the image is really pretty. Mm-hmm. So they, they stop the ship, they get off, the captain gives Will a map. And then there are only 30 bears. Did they leave some bears behind to die? Like there can't just be 30 bears in the whole of Svalbard, right? Maybe Yorick sent other bear ships in other directions. I don't know. Yeah, because like when they had that, when Yoffa and Yorick had that fight, it was like, they never said how many bears they were, but like it felt like there were a lot there, right? Yeah. I guess because any any more than 30 bears, it would be implausible for them to fit on a steamboat. But any fewer seems like definitely not enough bears. Surely there's more boats of bears. Well, that's what I mean, because there's either more boats of bears going to different places or Yorick has left a bunch of bears behind to die. Or Yorick is moving because a bunch of bears have already died and this is the last of the bears. And then that's fucking depressing. Yeah. Because also that is not enough bears for them to not just get ridiculously inbred. Oh, God, yeah. Let's just hope maybe, because, you know, the armoured bears of Svalbard, they're, they're all polar bears. How do we know that there aren't, like super intelligent grizzly bears in the mountains maybe they'll find other bears and maybe we'll get pizzly bears pizzly bears love that they're a thing <laughs> have you not yeah. seen have you seen the video yeah i have seen them yes i love the name they're so good <laughs> the bird leaves and will like sits reading the map figuring out how to get to lyra and then yorick's like go on bears go and do your own thing we'll like meet, we'll meet back here when it's time to go back Again, in my head, that's a bit hurtful. I don't think they're ever going to be able to go back, to be honest. Oh. I know. Well, I mean, if it's like I said, if it's anything like our world with global warming, they probably won't. I love that he's like, don't make war. We're not here for war, by the way. But also, if there is a war, I'll call you. And he's, he's like, meet back here if I don't call you or meet back here if there's a war. By the way, if we're going to have a fight, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll call the boys. <laughs> <laughs> I get the boys on the blower, don't worry. And then Yorick and Will set off to find Lyra, right? Yeah. Wills feels good to have rested like he was at the end 
of his strength before. He didn't know it, but Yorick did. Another thing that Yorick can sense in humans. And then Will shows Yorick the knife and he cuts a window into a rainforest and Yorick climbs through it. And I just love the thought of Yorick being in a rainforest. It's such a wonderful image of a polar bear in a rainforest. I think that might be what I have to try and draw if it's not too ambitious. And also Yorick's investigation skills again. I'm surprised he doesn't try to lick the window because he like has a proper close look at it and he sniffs it. And then also when Will hands him the knife to have a look again and Yorick like is holding it so close to his eye oh my God. that Will's like, you are going to poke yourself in the eye. And Yorick's just like, no, I'm just looking really, really close. You're going to fucking <laughs> slice your eyeball. Everybody has just been really blasé with this knife that can cut through anything in the world in this chapter. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Yorick goes and catches a gazelle. So that's one of the things you can catch in the mountains. So that's handy. And shares a little bit with Will, which is cute. And they get ready to kind of start their little boys camping road trip and realise they are three days away from Lyra. Yeah. So we get like a perspective switch here. The menace that is, well, they were getting there. And so were others. All right, dramatic Phil. I do like that. <laughs> Phil loves doing that and I appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> Live for the drama. It says Lord Asriel's force, right? And again, here we go with a niche pop culture reference. It just makes me think of there is an episode of the show Workaholics where there's this group of people called the Lord's Force and they're like religious bodybuilders and the guys in workaholics get like obsessed with them so every time it says lord asriel's force i just think the lord's force is that the ones where they're like oh god has empowered me to chop this phone book in half yeah lord asriel has sent a squadron of gyrocopters and a zeppelin on the way to find lyra the force is being led by king agunwe i think that's how it said that is how they say it in the audiobooks and i'm just going to use that as reference He's like reporting back to Asriel and he also has a uh, Galavespian with him. And this one is Lord Roke, who he has with him. And we know that Chevy and Sally are off elsewhere. <laughs> we find out that the Lady Salmachia has been carrying on with her spying job. And what she has found out is that uh, last time we were with the CCD, we found out that them and the Holy Spirit were like both trying to find out the same thing, but they weren't communicating. Salmeki has found out they are communicating, they've joined forces, and they're on the way to get Lyra. And so Asriel's heard that as well, and he's on his way to get Lyra. So basically, everyone's on a race to get Lyra, and it made me think of the film Rat Race. Oh my God, I've never seen that film. It finishes with a Smash Mouth concert, which is really <laughs> weird. <laughs> the premise of the film Rat Race is that um, a casino like a billionaire casino owner hides some special coins in some of his slot machines that give you the uh, location of a locker that has two million dollars in it and so there's like six or twelve people get these coins on like a random day in the casino and then it's like a race to get to the locker within it's like no holds barred race across america to get it and then it's just like really random like the groups of people that end up in like one of them ends up on like an i love lucy fan tour bus but like hijacks it and like takes it across America. Like I haven't watched it in ages, but it's it feels like this is what's happening right now with all of the people. It's Rowan Atkinson in it. Yes. It's got I you know what, I have the IMDB page up. It's got so many people in it. It's got Brecken Mayer, 
Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Cuba Gooding Jr., Amy Smart, who I recognise, but I don't know what from. Amy Smart is in The Butterfly Effect. She's in Scrubs. She's in Just Friends. Uh... A lot of things. Sorry, I was straight on that. How dare you? How dare you not know Amy Smart? Seth Green. Seth Green is in it as well. Yes. Yeah, so many people. And yeah, like the whole vibe is go and get this money, do whatever you can to get it. And it becomes like this whole like, "Ah," but very much this same vibe right now because we've got Will and Yorick. We've got the CCD and the Holy Church. And then we've also got Father Gomez all like racing literally across a continent. And Azrael's people as well. To get to Lyra. Did you say that? Yeah, yeah. And Azrael's people. Did I say Azrael's people? I don't know, but there's a lot. There's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The rat race of HDM. Yes. And there's a good description that I I like how it's written. So it says, so each side was aware that the other was also making its way towards the cave in the mountains, and they both knew that whoever got there first would have the advantage, but there wasn't much in it. Lord Asriel's gyroptors were faster than the zeppelins of the consistorial court, but they had further to fly, and they were limited by the speed of their own zeppelin tanker. And there was another consideration. Whoever sees Lyra first would have to fight their way out against the other force. It would be easier for the consistorial court because they didn't have to consider getting Lyra away safely. They were flying there to kill her. Oh, God. The drama again. Love it. It's very much the setup premise for a movie, for a race. Wacky races as well. (laughs) That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) Love it. Yes. So the consistorial court, little benounce to them, have some stowaways. And it's Chevy and Sally, which is my new nickname for them because, gosh darn, pronouncing names is hard. Uh, So yes, the Chevalier Talese and Lady Salmachia are smuggled aboard. (laughs) And I love that Phil writes in, every time he gets a chance to say that they're like proud people, he always does. So he's like, they would hate the comparison, but they hid as well as rats. (laughs) And it was like, okay. You've insulted them twice because you've called them rats and then you've also called them too stuck up to appreciate being told that they hide as well as rats. <laughs> but sure. We find out about a part of the like Galavespian spy protocols, I guess, or like their like standard equipment and training, which includes these insect larvae that are dragonfly larvae. And we learn a little bit about their dragonflies and that um, Chevalier has a really cool like red and yellow dragonfly. His is like powerful, whereas the Lady Salmachia's has like a slender, fast flying dragonfly that's electric blue. And it's just, and it glows in the dark. I want a glow in the dark dragonfly, although I also don't want a dragonfly because they're too big and it freaks me out. They are very big, yeah. I don't like it. Fun fact, so they have these dragonfly lava that basically they carry around with them in like a suspended animation and they can either keep them in this suspended animation until they need them or like accelerate their growth in order to get a dragonfly out sooner. So basically their mission now is stay being a stowaway, reporting back to base, get the dragonflies out ASAP so that you can then fly to Lyra and protect her. A fun fact I learned, well, I made the mistake of looking up dragonfly lava. I don't like them, they're creepy. They're creepy looking bugs. Um, but a fun fact is that they're called nymphs. Oh, yeah. A dragonfly lava, when it's at the like gross buggo stage, is called a nymph, which is nice and very magical, but they look gross and buggy and I don't like them. <laughs> so they're like oiling some gross bugs, apparently. <laughs> which just creeps me out. I love that about them. But like the thing is with this as well, off the subject of the two little Galavespians, is King Agunway has been told that like Lyra's safety was to come above every other consideration. And I just wish that Azriel cared about her because she was his fucking daughter and not because she's just important to the cause. 
And I know, obviously, I wasn't going to go through a chapter that mentioned Asriel without Shane saying how much of a fucking bad daddy is. He just doesn't give a shit. He wouldn't care about it if it wasn't for this. I do find it kind of satisfying to know that basically what's happening now is he's having to throw a load of energy and resources into the fact of like rescuing Lyra, which he wouldn't have had to do if he'd just been a decent dad in the first place. And like, that's his bad. And he has to feel really bad for like having to reallocate resources and do all this stuff to make up for the fact that if he'd have just not been a shitty father and actually offered to look after Lyra in any way, shape or form, he would be able to just immediately protect her because she'd be right there. Yes, I don't think he feels bad about this, but I think that this is hitting Azrael exactly where it hurts because it's like, oh no, I've got to waste these resources now that I wouldn't have had to use before. And I've got to waste this time and this energy. All because he was wrong as well. And I think that's his least favourite thing is being wrong. And it's like, yeah. And now so many people know that you were wrong and that you were a shit dad. Because I think this thing, I don't think he cares that he's a shit dad, except for the fact that other people will see this and be like, what a shitty dad. He couldn't just look after his daughter. He had to let her get kidnapped and then send all these. Yeah. Fuck you, Asriel. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Fuck you, Asriel. We learn that the Galvespians have to report back every hour on what they're finding while they're there. We then learn that exactly what you said earlier, there's another person tracking Lyra that nobody really knows about. And it's Father Gomez. And I just hate the fucking mention of him. I'm just like, oh, fucking hell. Great. Mm. Phil's very satisfied by this, though, because he's built the drama. He's been like, and simultaneously, this is all happening. And here are all the players in the race, like, line up for your wacky races. But also, there's a wild card. Get ready for the wild card. And it's like, all right. (laughs) We get it. (laughs) And it's lining us up for the next chapter, which I'm assuming is going to, although it's called Wheels and it probably will involve Mary, it's probably going to involve fucking Gomez as well. Oh, really? You think so? Oh, well, okay. I shouldn't have turned the page. (laughs) I saw his name. God damn it. (laughs) So yeah, that's the end of that chapter. Very short and sweet one. I quite enjoyed it. You know, I've enjoyed being back with Yorick. I've enjoyed being like back on the adventure trail and not on the like weird stuttering, not quite starting things off properly vibes you know yeah a hundred percent i get you i'm 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 liking it too I, we just gotta get our gal lyra back yeah i'm just yeah it's so nice to have yorick back i really love the image of a bear in a rainforest i just yeah i just very much here for the vibes of this chapter they're particularly good and so much better than last chapter <laughs> i feel like i'm still recovering from the last chapter oh same i feel like i'm all i got a hangover from it what is the next chapter called I've just already said it. It's called Wheels. It's called Wheels. <laughs> so we can only assume that we're back with Mary and the Malefa. Nice. Do you have an award to give out? My award this week is for the bear that asks where he's going to get his dinner. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I feel that energy. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I love the vibe that is like... Okay, we can go here, but where are we going to eat? <laughs> Fair. Valid. Also just, yeah, for all the bears that are going off and making their own way and starting some Bigfoot rumours. I'm here for it. <laughs> what about you? Mine is for Balthamos because yeah. I just want somebody to care about him and I don't want him to completely lose his spark and for it to never come back. And I think it's kind of cruel of Phil to add that paragraph in and then not have anyone try and comfort him. And I really hope he gets some comfort and some sympathy in the in the coming chapters because he needs help. Yes, completely agree. Justice for Baruch. R.I.P. Baruch. This is the other thing, like we've just 
Balthamos, we've it's been mentioned that Balthamos is sad and stuff, but we've not had anyone else really talk about how shit it is that Baruch's gone. No, exactly. We need to have like a fucking R.I.P. merch shirt. There's like just like Baruch and Lee Scoresby and like oh. all of the great characters that Phil keeps killing off. And Roger and little little Tony Macarios. Oh yeah, fuck. There's so many dead people. <laughs> I genuinely like a ghost's t shirt. It's just all the all the dead folks. So speaking of awards and rewards, as per usual, we're still running our review situation whereby if you leave the review and take a screenshot and send it to us at her.materialspod at gmail.com that review counts as your entry into a prize draw when we reach 50 we will pull 10 names out of a hat and 10 of you will win some super cool bookmarks and one person will win the like up-to-date merch pack of all of our stickers and bookmarks etc so get your reviews in it's really useful for us we love reading them we love we had one recently there was someone asking like oh i'm a bit behind on the podcast i don't know if you've reached all your reviews yet um but i thought i'd leave mine here and like quite frankly it's not just lovely that you're getting them and the boosts in the ratings but we do get all the warm fuzzy feelings oh yeah we just read read things that are like oh we really enjoy this and it's like oh i'm so glad there's people out there that listen to us and enjoy it absolutely and we appreciate you like all leaving reviews and saying nice things about us and hopefully giving us five stars and telling your friends. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm fair, and when I'm not shouting about people using knives incorrectly, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, or when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about bears and boats and boats and bears, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at Rachemakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. 